I was at a point in my life, Akhi, where I, like, wallahi, it was so dark. I was not happy at all. Mm. And I wanted to change. Yeah. But I didn't know how to. Mm. And this is one of the biggest problems, Akhi. Mm. A lot of brothers and sisters, they want to change, but they don't know how to. They don't know how to. They don't know how to. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back, dear viewers. Inshallah, I want to give you guys a little brief uh, introduction as to what to expect for today's episode. I'm so excited, alhamdulillah, to have our brother Usad Abdullahi Shiri in the building. He's a brother from my city, Seattle, Washington. Allahumma barik. He's a real role model for so many of us from this city. Alhamdulillah, he shares his journey, right? He's a brother who studied for the last five years in Egypt. And mashallah is back and he's benefiting at the local masajid you know, going over books and providing reminders for brothers within my generation, the younger generation. And Allah Mubarak, uh, mashallah, he's been a source uh, of a lot of inspiration for many of us. And today I hope to get to know more about him, right? What kind of led him towards the path that he took of dedicating five years of his life to studying Islam? You know, many of us don't get to really get to know the backstory of somebody. We kind of, you know, revere somebody without acknowledging kind of what led them there. And alhamdulillah, this amazing brother goes into kind of his story of what motivated him, what inspired him to take on this journey. So that is why we divided this episode into two parts, inshallah. The first part is really just getting to know more about him, hearing those inspiring insights, those life stories, those wisdoms, those gems. And then the second episode is for those who are more interested in, you know, studying Islam, really studying Islam, those who are even curious about going abroad and studying in Egypt. And both of these episodes deserve their own right, inshallah. So this episode that you're listening to today is that first part, getting to know who he is, his backstory, and those introduction stories as to how he started, you know, learning and gathering religion, religious knowledge. For alhamdulillah, I think you guys will benefit immensely. Just a, a short thing that I want to let you guys know. The audio was tweaking out a little bit. We had some audio issues that I figured out in the post-production. It shouldn't be too significant unless you're wearing headphones. You'll probably notice it a lot more. But if you're watching this on a TV, speakers, probably in your car, it shouldn't be too noticeable. Just some minimal uh, lesson quality of uh, Abdullah, Ustad Abdullah Shira's microphone. But inshallah, the part two, uh, you guys would not see that bi'idnillah. But I wanted to let you guys know. Nonetheless, I don't think it will diminish the quality of this amazing conversation. And I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. So go ahead, inshallah, and we'll see you guys in the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Talk Yahaq, the podcast where we discuss those relevant truths impacting us as Muslim youth. I'm your host, Idris. And today I'm joined with a very, very special guest, <laughs> Brother Ustad. <laughs> Abdullah, he shit as salam alaikum. Wa alaikum How you living? How you living? First of all, oh, you gonna leave me hanging? Oh, my bad, <laughs> my bad, my bad. How you living? Akhi, alhamdulillah, man. Jazakum Allah khair. Wallahi, awalan. Um, I want to thank you for bringing me on here, man. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless uh, the work that you're doing, wallahi. And this is the best way of uh, of da'wah nowadays, you know? Mm. Um, And uh, the, the numbers that you're reaching, uh, some of the, yani, mashayikh uh, wish that, yani, they reached that many people inshallah so may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you Amen, Amen. Amen. may Allah accept it that's the Amen. one thing bro like even when me and Abdul Karim we have like episodes mm -hmm. the one thing that we really want 
is to be able to have brothers like you, brothers mm. who have went on to go study this religion, brothers who can benefit from their own experiences, their own insights, because the youth need that, bro. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, and there's a like, I don't know, podcast is becoming a big thing. I don't know if you realize. Yeah. Uh, you have like the non-Muslim versions like mm -hmm. Joe Rogan and all these other comedic podcasts. But for the Muslims, yeah, you don't really see it. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. Right. And yeah. then you have brothers like yourself. I remember being in high school, bro. Being okay. in, I don't know if I, I'm pretty sure it was high school, my senior year. Okay. And I'm scrolling my Instagram and mashallah, you're over here posting oh. you on Egypt, bro. I swear <laughs> that's how I first came across you. <laughs> You was talking about this is Lisan Lada. <laughs> and I'm looking at the streets of Egypt, all dust. I said, bro, this my guy's living the life. I said, I gotta come out, see what's up with Egypt. Not and that's ago. all the way back then. Yeah. And you've been there for how long? Egypt. Four to five bro? years. Subhanallah. Yeah. yeah Subhanallah. Damn, man, subhanallah. Yeah, man. Your time flies. It does, man. It does. Right. Best years of my life. Subhanallah. Best years of my life. And uh, you can attest to it too. You've been there. Uh, you've lived there. Right. You know, so I wasn't the only one there. <laughs> no, no. We actually crossed paths, which was so amazing. Mm -hmm. I remember because I wanted to be in Egypt before, like a while ago. Mm -hmm. And you were the first person I reached out to. Alhamdulillah. I, said, I don't know if you remember. I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had my ticket booked and everything. I think this was like 2020, like yeah. something like this, right? Coming out, coming out of COVID, right? Uh, exactly. Yeah. And I said, this is the time to do it. Yeah. And I messaged you like, that's it. Just come. I'll get you settled in. And Qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that yeah. was not the right timing. Yeah. You know? And this year, I came, or this last summer, I came. And I'm in Medina uh, Nasser. Yeah. And we sitting in the smoothie <laughs> shop. And I see you, man. Everybody dabbing you up. I said, Abdullah Shida, the brother is hood famous in Egypt. <laughs> they was coming up, bro. Allah, yeah. Allah, but yeah, man. Beautiful place. Beautiful yes. brothers, man. I loved it. Allah, 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 And now you've come back and you're benefiting, which you don't see a lot of the brothers who do go here. They go there six months, three months. You were there for a whole Oh, nearly five years yeah. and you're doing the you're giving back yeah. essentially what you got and so this episode is not really for them this episode is for me my guy i'm telling you right now <laughs> man the, i'm about to pick your brain and hopefully some of the people are going to oh definitely God. take from this but i just want to start like it's just right before i asked you on this podcast i was like bro were you born because like Masha, you're a great role model so i was like bro was you born in america and he's like no nah, i'm from uganda i said hold up i gotta start recording i gotta record you did yeah man so can you tell me bro like growing up did you yeah. grow up like talk about that bro. so um because of the war in somalia huh. um and the civil war that, that that caused a lot of families to to immigrate and migrate to other countries um my family was from those families that came to uganda um and Qadrullah, I was born there. And I lived in Uganda for the first seven years of my life. Wow. Right. Um my parents went through struggles and they had their things, but like and I was still a little kid and right. I didn't remember none of these things, right? Um and then we came to America to the year two thousand mm. and I landed in Amarillo, Texas. Yeah. Um a kid straight from Africa in uh, Texas. In Texas. We, right um i still remember subhanallah we didn't know english mm. uh we stayed there for like i think nine years i mean uh nine months right. i believe and then we came to seattle okay. and i've been in seattle ever since okay you know, so, so seven on yeah from eight okay gotcha. all the way to like now gotcha. 
Wow. I grew up in Seattle, you know? Mashallah. South Seattle. South Seattle. South Seattle. Mashallah. Yeah. No, you're someone who's, you know, very well known in our city, especially Allahumma Barik. And I'm wanting to know kind of how you were raised because the things I get confused about, bro, is a lot of people, they feel like they can't relate to the brothers out here because when you see brothers who are studying, brothers who are here speaking out of it, like, whoa, like, it's intimidating to a lot of, honestly, it's intimidating. And they feel like I can't strive for that level. That's not me. And so I'm interested to hear about like, how was your upbringing? Was you, did you have a very like religious household? Like how was that love of the Dean cultivated in you for you to have dedicated that time of your life to study? Um, well, like there's a, you know, looking back at it right now that you can say there's a few factors um, my dad and my mom, Allah yubarafihim, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give them jannah, they're still both alive, alhamdulillah. Um, they really put time and effort into not just me, but my brothers as well. Um, and so they always pushed us to to go to the masjid for duksi, to be um, during Ramadan, um, and just being in that environment as a kid, you know. The first, uh, I don't know if you heard of this, the first Islamic school in Seattle is called MYA, Muslim Youth, Muslim Youth Academy. Yep. Everybody went there. Is that the one with like the charm? Is it the charm community or not really? So, so it wasn't uh, the most of the mashayikh or most of the or some of the teachers were um, charm, okay. the Badi, Farid, uh, Sheikh Kifli, right. Abu Bakr. Very famous in this part of the city. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we also had um, African American Shuyu. We also um, had other other mashayikh there. Right. Um, but it was mainly for yani, Seattle. And okay. it was something something that, that Wallahi, tell now, and they'll tell you this, inshallah, um, that the Seattle community really wanted. Mm. You know, um, they, they established the first Islamic school. Mashallah. And I think within just a few months, everybody, everybody just went there. Mm. You know, and wow. so all the homies that I knew, wow. everybody that I used to go to Dusi with, oh. we would go there. Right. Um, and this shows you that the Seattle community wants khair. Mm. It wants good for its people. It wants good for its yani youth and everything. Right. Um, going back to my parents, man, my mom, Wallahi, really wanted us to to just be good people. Mm. She never allowed us to eat haram food, mm. never McDonald's. Wow. Um, she used to always, I used to, I remember I used to go to the masjid. She would wake me up to, to go to the masjid when I was 12 years old and I would take the bus. I, uh, you know, MLK, the 36, huh. right here. Yeah, right. I would I would take the 36 and go to the small Abu Bakr. Mm. So I just have 12 years old and um, I would go and I would come back. Um, mm. She would make sure we would not miss Duxi, the madrasa every Saturday and Sunday. I would go to Islamic school and just you will hear Quran in the house. You will just, you will see this in my house, you know, right, and because of that, I kind of feel like, yeah, I need, uh, that taught us a lot. My, my brothers and my sisters, yeah, I need, we know the deen and we know Islam, and we have this Muslim identity, right. and we're proud of it because of this cultivation from young. Mm. When, when our parents, yeah, I need, would tell us, Hey, you are a Muslim, you are this, and you are that. And right. uh, I remember when the yeah, Christmas would come, mm. other parents would be like, Oh, yeah, uh. The students and you know public school, everybody's having Christmas, so maybe we'll give you a gift. My mom didn't; she did not play that. She not play. <laughs> no, I remember mm. one time they gifted us bikes for Christmas. Huh. My mom took it away. Hold <laughs> on, oh, they was giving out bikes. Yeah, I don't know some organization. Right. I don't know what it was. Uh, I was young, you know. Right. And they came to the house and they're like, "Merry Christmas!" And here you go. Here's wow. some bikes. 
And my mom, she got it and she threw it away. Right. But she seen that we were so heartbroken that she right. went out and bought us bikes. Wow. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but she still instilled in us like, hey, I need this is the, the I need these are not our holidays. We don't follow what they follow. And so in school, we were proud to say, you know, when you come out from Christmas break, what did you do on your Christmas break? We're, we're proud to say, hey, we're Muslims. You don't celebrate Summer, that. Yeah. And we got that from my mom and my dad. Right. You know what I mean? And so that's the type of household I grew up in. No, that's beautiful, bro. Like, even when I would talk to other brothers that I'm inspired by, like uh, Brother Qari Ahmed Burhan, we did an episode with him. Or when I talked to other brothers, like uh, there was the, one, of, one of the psychologists, brother, uh, mashallah, he's studying Asar as well. They always mention their parents and what they instilled in them and the love of the deen. But here's the thing, bro, because I know there are many people who have the opposite effect. Like, they grow up in a religious household, but it's, they feel sheltered and they feel tempted by the external, maybe the friends or the community. And so the kids, the parents are not reaching their kids at this certain age. Maybe it's like teenagehood where it's kind of, you're trying to be your own person where it's split off. So what are some things that parents, like maybe your parents did differently or that can help those kids and those parents go the straight path instead of being tempted the opposite direction? Wallahi, um, first of all, my parents always knew and mm-hmm. something that they instilled in us was uh, that hidayah that uh, guidance only comes from Allah subhanahu mm-hmm. wa ta'ala, right? Yeah. And my mom would always tell me, uh, I'm doing the best that I can. It's up to you to pray. I can only wake you up. But if you are the one that's praying, that's you. And you're not praying for me, you're praying for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. Taban, when we were when we were kids, we were not the best of kids. Yeah. Right. We would go to Duxi, skip Duxi. We would be troublemakers in Duxi. Mm-hmm. We would um, get suspended from Islamic school, not do our homework. And we would go out and do what other teenagers yani, did. Mm-hmm. But the difference or the difference between, yani, uh, or that I've seen in myself was um, I had respect for the Mashaikh. Mm-hmm. I had respect for the Masajid because my mom taught me that. Um, and I knew Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. And I knew what I was doing was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I would always have that, uh, yani, that mindset. What I'm doing is wrong. What I can, I'm, go, I'm going to, and ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala for forgiveness. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is going to ask me about that on the day of judgment. Yeah. So I kind of feel like parents they don't have control of the hidayah of their children. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If their child is good, it's because mm-hmm. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And if their, yani, child is not on, yani, uh, Islam or anything, mm-hmm. yani, uh, that's not up to you. You mm-hmm. can't, you can't control that. Sahih. But what you can do is you can teach your child mm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can kind of shape his mindset, teach him toba. Um, a lot of brothers don't know how to make toba. A lot of brothers don't know what they're doing is wrong. A lot of brothers don't know what they're what they're watching is wrong. Right? So mm. I feel like parents have to teach right and wrong to their kids. And that's all they that's all they have to do. Right. That's the that's the number one. That's thing. their wajib. Right. You know? No, uh, and sure. when they get to a certain age, there's nothing you can do about it. Right. If your child is not praying, you can only wake him up mm. and you can only, you know what I mean, do what you have to do. But if he right. doesn't pray at the end of the day, you mm. won't be asked about it on the day of judgment. You, no, you did your due diligence. Right. For sure. For sure, bro. Uh, one number one thing I hear when I talk to other people in our generation is they are not taught because a lot of our parents, they with the best that they could, okay, like you talk about people who fled a war. You know what I'm talking about? Like they didn't have as much access to the resource and the knowledge and the stuff that we have access to. They were on survival mode. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> trying to yeah. expect certain things out of them 
while us ourselves growing up in a whole different environment. So we're in this weird, very tough predicament, you know? And so it's not surprising that we see many of the youth and the parents in the circumstances at the end. Yeah. Right. You know, um, some sometimes we can't mm. yeah, I need to talk to our parents. Mm. The language that they speak and the language we speak in, it's not the same language. Exactly. Uh, the way they look at life and the way we look at life is not the same. Their culture and our culture is not the same. Right. And so you kind of have this clash. Mm. And wallahi, me, man, I'm a, I'm an advocate for the parents that, that came here and I advocate for the fathers and the mothers, wallahi, because some of the struggles that they went through, wallahi, we don't know. And they don't, they don't talk about it too. You know, they, they don't, don't sit down and they don't have therapy sessions. And nice. yani, what they went through, yani, coming to a different country, raising children, running away from war, mm -hmm. starting from ground up. You know what I mean? Um, my, my mom would tell you, my dad would tell you, they were homeless in the beginning, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean that we were sleeping on mm -hmm. the streets or anything, but mm -hmm. it was, we just didn't have a house for a while, right? right. And some of, some of our parents were like that. They, they had children, they had kids and they were homeless and they 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 had appointments that there was no translator they had to get through this mm, right right and well i big ups to them man big ups to them no man no for sure that is such a beautiful thing bro but the difference is that you are taking or you took this path not only in like being satisfied with your religion and maybe instilling what your parents taught and that's it you continued to progress. And I think that takes a certain amount of like curiosity of your religion. It takes a certain amount of love for your religion as well for you to do that. Because most people, bro, they're just taught, you know, they, they're not really, they really averse actually to what I find in a lot of people to religion. And this is thing I really see. It's a fear and you should fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when you like, for example, when you're told you know, and this is the truth, but when you're told all the time, like Jahannam, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're going to go to hell if you don't pray, you're going to da da da. So there's no co actual conversation about, okay, come sit. Like you talked about sitting down and who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What is your religion? Learning about your values. What is, what is right? What is wrong? But if it's just so shallow conversation where there's no engaging with those uh, people that you look up to, you kind of just distance yourself. Yeah. You have other people that are pulling you to whatever they're doing. Come here, come here, let's make a move. Let's 100%, 100%, 100%. do this. 100%. So of course you're going to be inclined towards that. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So what did it take for you, Akhida? I'm here trying to hear what was the click for you to go above and beyond and say, you know what? You know, my I need, I want to progress. I want to learn more about my religion. What was that for you, bro? Wallahi, <laughs> curiosity. Hmm. And like I always say when I teach fiqh, Mm -hmm. I don't want to stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment mm -hmm. and see everything that I was doing was wrong mm -hmm. because I didn't take the time out of my yani, my day or night or whatever mm -hmm. to look into this religion right. to see what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted from me, you know? Mm -hmm. And if if we talk about yani, what made me study, it's two two things happened in my life. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time, um, uh, you can say when I started practicing, right. uh, I was very eager. I wanted to, and I was in Sweden, by the way, and uh, I lived in Sweden for two years. Wow. I like it. That's a different what, story. What right? age gap were you this time? So this was when I was 22, 23, I okay, think. Okay, gotcha. So I lived in Sweden. Um, and akhi, wallahi, when I tell you, like, I, there was no such, like, I did not feel happy. Yeah, where my life was <clears throat> at that time, my dad wasn't talking to me. My dad refused, like he mm -hmm. said, "You know what, man? I'm not gonna talk to you." Mm -hmm. 
And a, a mother can never say that, but you kind of sense my mom didn't want, every time I talked to her, every time somebody called her because of me, it would be, a, it would be bad news. Abdullah did this, Abdullah went there, Abdullah doing this. And so you kind of feel like she distanced herself away from me. And I was at a point in my life, Akhi, where I, like, wallahi, it was so dark. I was not happy at all. Mm. And I wanted to change. Yeah. But I didn't know how to. Mm. And this is one of the biggest problems, Akhi. Mm. A lot of brothers and sisters, they want to change, but they don't know how to. You know? Right. Um, and so I, I tried... It took me. It took me a while. I tried the first time. I said, you know what, I'm gonna go cold turkey. I'm gonna stop doing whatever I'm doing. Right. I didn't last so long. You know that, right? right. <laughs> like, you know, when you try to go cold turkey, exactly. that is not especially last. when you you live whatever type of lifestyle or ho yeah. hobbies that you or habits you get into. It's hard to go from zero to this because you've never been exposed to this other lifestyle. Yeah, you never got accustomed to it. Right. You right. see, brothers coming in the masjid first week. He's at the masjid. You mm -hmm. know, what I mean, line fajr, mm -hmm. and then it gets too hard. And he quits, mm. right? You'll see brothers that will tell you, hey, uh, I'm, I want to memorize all of Baqarah. I'm going to memorize from Fajr all the way to Dhuhr and I'm going to study. It, it gets too hard, right? right? People that you, you, you say you want to cut people off. I mean, these are the people that grew up with you. These are your, your neighbors. These are your cousins that you're going to run into. Right. You can't cut these people off. These habits that, that you have is very hard for you to stop. Because it's like your whole life is yeah. revolving around right? that. It's the people have, and the lack of, understanding from the outside like if i'm struggling really struggling with a certain environment and circle other people looking in yeah they have a certain view yeah but they don't know everything don't. that comes with they that. don't they don't well i they don't and so right. i had a hard time at the beginning i, I tried to stop right. and then it didn't last mm -hmm. a week mm -hmm. and then it would be those night conversations you know when you're on your bed Akhi, in right. the middle of the night Sahih. two three a.m dark and you're just thinking about life, Akhi. And because my parents instilled in me in Dean, I know that the life that I'm living is not the best of lives, right? Mm -hmm. And so I remember when I was in Islamic school, uh, my teacher, he told me, he said, listen, whatever you do in life, mm -hmm. pray. My mom, my dad, they would tell me, listen, whatever you do in life, Pray. And there was this one ayah. So for some odd reason, I remembered it, right? It came to me. That the salah prevents fahsha and munkar and all these bad things. If you pray, the salah will stop all of that. I really wanted to change. So I said, you know what? Let me put this ayah to the test. What I'm going to do is, I'm going to continue living the way I'm, I live. I'm going to do what I'm doing. Right? I'm going to still have the same homies and everything. But I'm going to pray. Mm. And so that night, uh, I lived with my cousin. I told him, I said, I said hey, listen, we're going to stay up. We're not going to go to sleep. Mm. The reason being is because we're going we're gonna to pray Fajr. Mm. Um, we prayed Fajr. We went to sleep. We woke up for Dhuhr. Mm. We prayed Dhuhr. And I remember we lived life the way we lived. Mm. Did whatever we did. Mm. Asr time came, we prayed Asr. Go kick it with the homies. Maghrib would come, we'd go to Maghrib. Mm. 
the homies would want to go somewhere else. I can't because I got to go pray at the masjid. Mm. So I would tell them the first day, hey, listen, uh, I have to be around the masjid. Can you wait for me till I pray? Isha, I like, what are you talking about, bro? Isha, mm. when did you start praying? Mm. So I said, hey, yo, just wait for me, bro. Like, let me pray and then mm. we'll go do what we got to do. Huh. So the first day they waited, but the second, third day, they wouldn't wait. Mm. And so I seen my friends, I wasn't leaving them. They slowly left me. Mm. Because I had to be around the masjid and I had to go pray. I wouldn't call them to salah. I wouldn't tell them, hey, come pray with me. Mm. They knew I would pray. But they felt uncomfortable being around me. And I kind of started hating the life that I lived and they lived, Mm. which was music and everything. And so we kind of just kind of left. Mm. They would go do things at nighttime. I would tell them, I can't go with you guys because I got to go. I got to go pray Fajr. They would try to go to the mall or places during the daytime. I would tell them, hey, I can't go with you because I got to go with Duhur. Mm. And so the first week, Horta, me and my friends, just homies. I'm, nothing bad happened between us. No bad blood. Right. But we just kind of parted ways. Huh. Me and my cousin, right? <sighs> I can't listen to music. Mm. So what did I do? I started listening to Mahadharat. Wow. Whatever I can find, right? Right. And... I'm saying this sheikh is saying this and this sheikh is saying that. You know YouTube, bro. <laughs> like, right. There's no there's no manual, actually. Whatever yeah, lecture yeah. that you get. And whatever this was one, uh, yeah, this was one, uh, remember Islamic guidance and uh, all these. Uh, remember in them. Yeah, yeah, when they were popping. Yep. I don't know if they're still popping right now, but this is mm-hmm. when they were like, when they were the ish, you know? Right. And I would listen to these and this sheikh would say this and this sheikh would say that. And you know what I mean? This sheikh would say Allah said this and the prophet said that and. In my mind, I'm thinking, damn, Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said this, but how do I know? Mm. How do I know the translation that he's giving me is correct? Mm-hmm. How do I know he's not making a mistake? Mm-hmm. How do I know the, the story this man is telling me that happened during the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa time is something that's real? Mm-hmm. How, how am I following something? I don't even know this man. Sorry. I never met this man in my life. From what I know, he's a sheikh. Everybody loves him and he's doing good and he's calling to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like, and I don't know. Right. So I had that in mind. One day I went to the masjid. Hmm. Um, I went to the masjid. I was in the front row. And the sheikh, I still remember this day, bro. The sheikh, he said, hey. We all stood up for maghrib. Front row. The sheikh, he looked back. He said, today we're going to do a sunnah from the sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I'm thinking, what is it? He said, we're going to pray Maghrib. We're going to join Maghrib and Isha together. Mm. I'm in the front row, Akhi. And I'm about to pray Maghrib. And I'm going to pray Isha. And I'm standing there like, Akhi, I don't even know if my salah is going to be accepted or not. Mm. He said a sunnah. He he believes it and he knows his knowledge. That's him. But me, I'm following you like a sheep, Akhi. I was so mad. Wallahi, wallahi, I turned red. Mm. But what can I do? I can't walk out. Mm. I don't have enough knowledge to question the sheikh. Mm. Right? I can't say, hey, what are you talking about? He could just throw a bunch of hadith at me. And right. then, what am he I going to say? Like, okay. <laughs> right. 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 I look around, everybody's like, right. some, some guys are like, yes, bro, I'm going to pray later. <laughs> <laughs> Most people out here moving like yeah, that. Yeah, right? right? It's like, damn, bro, we should have done that. You know what I'm saying? Right. I should have done this for the whole and Asr, man. Hey, can you add Fajr as well? <laughs> It'd be like that. You know? Hey, yeah. <laughs> and, um, Akhi, wallahi, I was mad. 
Wow. Like a sheep, I prayed. Mm. I still remember this day. I go home and I remember I was sitting in the couch. Uh, mm. I couldn't I couldn't watch anything. I was so mad. I would search up and I don't know Arabic. Like I would search up in English. Like I, I would say, hey, I'm praying Asr. I'm praying, I prayed Maghrib and yani, Isha together. Is my salah sahih? And I'm, I'm seeing all these websites and I don't even know where these websites, I don't know who's writing this. I don't know what they're saying. I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know the scholars that they're talking about. They're talking about there's a difference of opinion and I don't know what this is, you know? Really briefly, between when you first started, like this part where you said you started distancing yourself from your friends yeah to this point yeah. where you're getting so detailed on these matters yeah what was that span bro a month yeah i'm telling you wow i'm telling you wow the, the ayah yeah the ayah well allah guided me man mm. because uh before if somebody prays right. salah will legit like if you pray mm. correctly and if you pray to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala salah will keep you away from a lot of things you know and it's a form of purific uh, purification. purification. It's like every salah. I heard there was a hadith about this. Yeah. I can't quote it word for word. But it's you have sins on you. Mm -hmm. And they leave this mark. Yeah. And every time you go and you pray, yeah. it's you're purified. It's like you've yes. been washed. Yes. SubhanAllah. Yes. And that's literally what it does. That's what it did. SubhanAllah. Well, once again, well, I, uh, and there's nothing nothing bad happened between me and my, uh, me and the homies. Right. It's just the lifestyle that they were living, I slowly started to, uh, started to hate it. Mm. Right? The music that they're listening to, the music that I was listening to, um, where they were going and just just not doing what they were like. I, I And when I go to the masajid and I pray and I sit in the masajid, I slowly found this happiness that I was looking for. Wow. You know, sometimes what I would do is um, some sometimes they would come into the masajid. I wouldn't say I'm not mm. going to say they were bad people. Well, like, right. and sometimes they would come to the masajid and they would pray with me. Awesome. And I would see that that I would kind of yani, pray my sunnah prayers. And kind of sit in the masjid just so I can prolong this happiness that I'm feeling right now. You know? And they would be outside. And I would say to myself, like, yo, subhanAllah, like, yo, these guys are actually, you know I mean, taking this happiness away from you. Mm. It's time to start distancing. Distancing. But I didn't do it. They did it. Because huh. they were like, actually, we can't, we can't be with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're around the masjid. We feel weird around you. SubhanAllah. You know? SubhanAllah. Um, so going back to that, so that night I prayed Isha again huh. because I was just afraid that I was mm. going to make a mistake. So, hey, let me pray Isha when it's Isha time. Mm. That was the first incident. The second incident was a, again, Salat time at the masjid. I mm. think it was Dhuhr time this time. We prayed um, and the sheikh, he he got up and he said, you know what? Today we're going to pray a Salat Salat al-Tasabiyah. Okay. A Salat I never heard of in my life. <laughs> I still haven't heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> you better introduce me to something. Right? Hiya. I'm sitting there. I'm like, what? what is this? He's like, yo, yeah, we're going to get up and we're going to pray. And this is how you pray the salah. You say subhanAllah a certain amount of times. And you go to ruku and you pray subhanAllah a certain amount of times. And yeah, there's a hadith that says you're, you're supposed to do this once in a lifetime if you can or once a day. Something like that, you know? Right. I'm like, what is going on? Right. And so like a sheep, once again, I'm praying. So that's, the, mm. that's, the, that's when I made the decision. I said, you know what? If I'm going to live life, right. the least that I can do is learn what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from me. Oh. Right? Um, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent me a kitab. Mm. It doesn't make sense for me to live life and not know the language of this kitab. Oh. How? Allah subhanahu, how, how can I claim I'm following what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling me and I don't even know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling me? You know? Right. And so that's when I made that decision to 
to go out and study. Well, that is a miracle. I'll tell you that. Wallahi, that's an ayah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because there's a couple of things I want to highlight about this. And I'm sure you've experienced this. When you go from not taking your deen as serious and you experience the darkness that comes with that, the isolation, the loneliness, and the lack of connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is miserable. And then you go to praying, you go to listening to Quran, and you it's a very spiritual feeling. Oh my God. Because it's like you go from dark to nur, and the contrast is so significant that you feel it. But when you have been practicing for a long time, now people have been practicing for a longer time, or brothers who have progressed, and they get used to that. It's like you get used to being, uh, you know, you know, fearing Allah or just practicing religion that you either get complacent or you don't feel that same feeling. And so that's just a reminder in general. Like it takes me back just reflecting, okay, those earliest times. Okay, we all experience it. We all experience it. You know, so just hearing through your experience, it's just beautiful. Mashallah. Uh, they call it the Iman high. Is that what it is? <laughs> <It's the Iman. laughs> we all experience yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the high that you can never get right. back. You know, and then right. you try to try to get it back. You know. Right. Okay. So now you made the decision. Okay, I want to study. On this point, bro, I I don't think a lot of people realize how big of a decision that is. Yeah. You're leaving everything that you know, and you're embarking on this whole new path. But you know what's special is you have this fuel tank mm-hmm. on a full tank right you ready to go you're like i'm about to go study you feeling you know you know so riled up and excited and thrilled because you're tasting this 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 baraka and so talk to me what was that first trip you went straight to egypt so there was there was uh i went to egypt i would say two years after that okay all right i didn't want to go to egypt I, I, it never came down to me to right. travel to 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 uh, another land and okay. to go study. Right. My thing was, I want to learn the basics. I, my thing was, I want to learn the Quran. Mm-hmm. And there's people around me, the mashayikh, the uh, the people that are in the masjids. These people, they know the language of the mm-hmm. Quran. So what I'm going to start from is is Arabic. Okay. I never had this thing where I have to travel. I, it never hit me. Okay. It never occurred to me because you okay. have to understand, Sheikh. Like, I never grew up around students of knowledge. I never gotcha. grew up. I, my thing was there was a gap. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, there was never there was never a person that I knew that I went to go out to study. There was uh, nobody coming back from Egypt or coming back from Medina giving classes. It was me and my generation and the generation that came back that went to go study. Uh, they didn't talk about it, uh, right? So and there I, were not these. I don't think as much social media people talking. No, about, yeah. no. So this this whole thing about how right now going out and studying it wasn't the way it was for me, right? right. And so what I did was I was like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm learn. I'm gonna learn yani, uh, Arabic. Mm. I go to a bookstore, Arabic oh, bookstore. Subhanallah. I tell the guy, well, I, I still remember this. I said, hey, I have 500 uh, of their money. Right. I said, I'm trying, Sweden? Sweden, yeah. Okay. I said, I wanna learn the Dean. Uh-huh. Give me a book. I don't know what book he gave me, but he gave me. Two sets of volumes. One book was like seven volumes and another book was like nine volumes. <laughs> That's how you're going to learn out of it. <laughs> he said, take these two. I didn't know what they were. Hiya. It was Tafsir ibn Kathir Hiya. and Sharah of uh, Muslim. Okay. Sahih Muslim by Imam Nawi, rahimahullah ta'ala. Sorry. I don't know what Tafsir ibn Kathir is and I don't know what this is. Hmm. 
But I'm thinking, okay, like if I have these two books and I study these two books mm-hmm. and I study the Quran, I should be good. I'm not trying to become a scholar. I'm not trying to become a, 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 a speaker. I'm just trying to become a person where when I do get married later on in life, I, I could teach my wife and I could teach my kids and I, I know how to pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. I know the Fatiha. And this vision that I had for myself was when I sit down and read the Quran, I know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling me. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the goal. And that's always been the goal, you know? Right. And so I got these two books. And I remember I went to the masajid and I, sh- I, had, I had the bag and I sat with the, with the sheikh and I said, hey, sheikh, listen, I'm trying to learn the deen and uh, I bought these two books. Yeah, he laughed at me. Mm. He said, what's wrong with you? I said, I don't know. I <laughs> trying to learn the religion. Right. Um, it sounds idiotic. What I can, mm. I, I just didn't know, you know? Right. Wallahi, beautiful sheikh. What he told me from that day I think changed everything. Hi. You see in that situation, Sheikh Adris, you know, right now, let's say there's a brother that came to us and a lot of brothers do come to me that want to change and that want to study that have zero idea of what's going on. If the Sheikh probably laughed at me that day or called his homies and they, they made fun of me or said, you don't know what you're doing or this and that, I kind of feel like I, I, I would have just went back. Right, mm-hmm. that kind of would have just destroyed that. That destroys someone's the flame, the spark yeah, that's going. Yep. Right, but he said, "Hey, listen." He said, "Well, I just what he said to me." He said, "Jazakallah khair. You did a good job by buying these books, but there's a language that these books are written in." Mm-hmm. He said, "Start off by learning that language first, and then get to these books." Mm-hmm. So something clicked. I thought, "Okay, let me learn Arabic." So I was like, "Yo, where can I learn Arabic?" Mm-hmm. He said, buy these three Medina books, go back to that store, tell him you want the Medina books, okay. and come to me and I'll teach you. MashaAllah. I said, okay. Yeah. I bought these books, um, and what he told me was, he said, here's the set of, um, or not set, but he said, go to this website. Yeah. There's a Somali sheikh by the name of Sheikh Muhammad Umar. He said, he, he done the tafsir of the Quran, Mm-hmm. Right? right And he said While we are studying Arabic At least get a kitab And study it wow. Study the Quran Right And that masajid that I was in There was a group of uh, yani Older gentlemen uh, I think yani Late 40s Early 50s A group of them They would come together 4 days a week right. And they would listen to The tafsir of the Quran In the, in the Somali language And I would just sit with them And I, was, I would be with them and this made me love yani, Arabic, Quran, Mashallah. everything. And then finally someone told me one day, he said, hey, how come you don't go to Medina? Mm. I heard of Medina. Mm. I knew of Medina. But it just never clicked. I said, mm. hey, that's a good idea. How come I don't go to Medina? I have an uncle in Medina. Why not? I should call him. Right. And then I go online and I'm going on YouTube and I'm seeing everybody talk about Medina and how to apply for Medina and there was a series online uh, by Abu Sama al-Dhahabi and some of the other mashayikh that they, they talk about their their journey in Medina or their journey to Medina and Akhi I am having what we call in Somali Bufis mm. Yo I, I couldn't go to sleep if I didn't wow. go to Medina bro I think I would have went crazy Right? right, it got to a point where Subhanallah, like I, all I did was think about Medina, mm. go on blogs and go to videos and watch videos over and over and over again, and just dream about going to Medina. Mm. 
You know, I've seen this with so many brothers, okay? especially yes. after going to Egypt. Yes. I've seen this time and time yes. again. Yes, yes. This, this if it's a Medina or nothing. It's Medina or nothing, <laughs> right? Yep. And Abu Usama al-Dhahabi, I think the lecture, Wallahi, the lecture should be there. Abu Usama al-Dhahabi, he said something. He said, don't put your eggs, all your eggs in one basket. He was talking about don't just apply for Medina University, apply for the other, other universities. It got, it got too shadid for me. It got so much for me that I, I made dua. I said, Ya Allah, please, I want to study. Take me to a place that's perfect for me. Whether it's Medina, whether it's Riyadh, whether it's Somalia, whether it's, I didn't even think about Egypt, right? I just said anywhere, Ya Allah, in this world that you feel or that, that you know is right for me. And then I came back to America. And I was I was studying, right? Um, I was I didn't look. I applied for Medina and I did the whole thing. What well, I can, I came back to America. I still remember this. I was studying with the Mashaikh here, and one Ramadan I was sitting, and the Khatira, the Imam, he stands up. He says, "You guys, the Sheikh that just led us in Salah right now." He's going to Egypt. He's going to learn the Quran and the Sunnah. He's going to come back as a scholar and he's going to be the Imam of this masjid. It clicked right then and there. I said, You can go to Egypt and become a scholar. You can go to Egypt and learn the Quran and the Sunnah. Egypt is the place you can go to. Mm. I don't know anybody in Egypt. Wow. I don't know what's in Egypt. Right. I called one of the Mashaikh here and I said, Sheikh, listen, I, I have a plan or I have this. I want to go to Egypt. What do you think? He said, go. Mm. I said, I'm going to go. I wanted to talk to the brother that was going to go to Egypt, but what I can, um, I didn't get a chance to talk to him. Right. Uh, so I was ready to go. And then there was a job opportunity for me. Mm. I had no money. Right. So I said, you know what? Let me save up for a year. Mm. Let me let me work for a year and then go. Huh. That's when, that's how I went to Egypt. Wow. So you actually ended up working for a little bit and then you went ahead and traveled to Egypt. MashaAllah. Okay, that just shows like Allah better to sincerity as well. A lot of brothers, the minute you start working, yeah. it's like an idea, oh, yep, I'm about to work. And then they hear two years, three years, four years, yeah. married, kids. <laughs> Egypt, what's Egypt now at this point? <laughs> you feel me? Happens, SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. And your journey, okay, MashaAllah, may Allah protect you and preserve you. Allah better, okay, because it's so beautiful to hear other brothers with their own journey and trajectory of how they embark on this path. And so I'm sure a lot of our listeners and just me thinking about that, it gives us something to be inspired by. And it really shows us, Tawfiq is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's guidance. Like you said, guidance is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only. But this person who's sincere and is yearning for Allah and yearning for his direction, yes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give it to that person. Yes. Right. Yes. And subhanAllah, so now I'm interested. Now you ended up in Egypt. Okay. There's so many directions we can start. Yeah. <laughs> I've been there for uh, a year and I saw a couple of things. I observed a couple of things and I want to kind of hear your reaction to it. I've heard, you know, a lot of people, they go there excited. They go there excited and ambitious and zealous. Uh, but unfortunately, there is a, a a big problem that you do see among students. It's they go out there with the best intention, 
but they grasp very little of what they intended to go get out. Yeah. Right? They we want to go learn Arabic, we want to go learn the Quran, the Sunnah, so on and so forth, but you don't access it. Maybe you get distracted. Distraction is a very big issue. It is, it is. It is a it is. very big issue. And that's one thing I noticed, especially in Medina Tanasa, a lot of the brothers get together at that smoothie <laughs> shop, yeah? 2 a.m. with the smoothie shop. I'm like, hold up, round four of the mango smoothie. What a, hey, with the ice cream. <laughs> with, the, with the ice cream. Man, I, I never had a smoothie like that. But it was beautiful. But I was coming from a different city, so I would see that. And I'm like, mashallah. And so uh, I had the brother, Sheikh Fouad. He kind of was, I would be on the phone with him. You know him. So I'd be on the phone with him. And we'd be talking and he actually gave me a lot of advice. He said, this is, this is what you see a lot of the times that end up happening in Egypt. And then I also saw another thing, people getting homesick. Yeah. So what you end up seeing is you see people who are out there, they're benefiting very little because they're distracted. And then you get homesick. Now you're thinking about going back home in the work. Yeah. And then guess what? That fuel that initially pushed you to go, it starts running on E. Yeah. So with hearing that different things, did you face anything like this? Did you observe this? you going to Egypt? Um, let's start off with the homesickness. For sure. The five years I was there, when, uh, people, my wife will say otherwise, but I can, I can say I wasn't homesick. Okay. And the reason being is because um, before Egypt, I've, ever since I was 16 mm. or 15, um, I, would, I would be at my parents' house for like a few months only. Okay. I would I would be other places. Okay. And so I kind of learned how to live on my own. When I was 15 and 16, yes, I had homesickness and everything, right? right. But at that age when I was going to Egypt, this was I was already hip to this. Mm, you right? were independent. Yeah. Okay. I was already uh, like I already knew how to live life by myself, you know? Gotcha. And so I can never like I never had this homesickness. Gotcha. That's that's one of the things. Versus brothers who live with their parents the whole oh, time. Oh yeah. And then 18 now you're going abroad. Yes. Gotcha. You know? And so it's different for them. Right. That's one of the things. Alhamdulillah, I kind of feel like um that's one of the ways Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helped me out. Right. The other thing is when I when I went there I went there with a plan. Mm. I had a three-year plan. I wasn't supposed to stay for four or five years. Wow. I was supposed to stay there for three years. Wow. And I like I, the, the plan that I had mm. was to go and I knew what I wanted and I, I, planned, I planned it to the T. Mm. But mistakes that I've made made me stay there for an extra two, a year or two, you know? Right. And so the, the mistakes that a lot of brothers make and a lot of sisters make is they go there without a plan. Mm. They go there thinking this is what I want, but they don't know how to get it. Mm. I knew how. Like I, I didn't know anything about Egypt, but Ahi, I was I was studying here in Seattle yes, before I left. Wow. And before I left, and the Mashaikh can attest to this, I went to my teachers and I, I asked for permission. I said, Hey, listen, I know you don't have time for me. Can I leave? Uh, do you think me staying in Seattle will mm. benefit me? Mm. Can I get from Can I get in Seattle what I'm going to get in Egypt? And they said, no, if you have the opportunity to go to Egypt, go to Egypt, you know? Mm. And so I was already studying before I went to Egypt. I wasn't, mm. I wasn't starting off. A mistake a lot of brothers make. A mistake a lot I've of brothers I've seen a lot of people go there, Alif Batat, bro. They're learning Alif Batat yeah. from Shriyukh. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? They're learning and it's very tough. It is. I'm not saying I was, I was, I was already in the books, but right. I, I've been around Mashaikh. I was always, right. let me tell you a story. I was right. in Seattle right. and the first time I met one of my Mashaikh, um, I went to him and I said, hey, listen, man. He said, what do you want to be? I said, I want to become a muhaddith. He laughed at me. He said, what's wrong with you? Mm. I, I said, bro, I'm trying to, I'm trying to become like a Muhammad. Mm. He said, you know what, man? You got time? I said, yeah. 
we go to we go to this one restaurant. We ate we eat together, and he breaks it down to me. What is a muhaddith? What were the jobs of the muhaddithin? What are the books? And is it possible to be a muhaddith today? And what does it mean to be a muhaddith today? Mm-hmm. I still remember that conversation. Right. And because of these conversations with the the mashayikh here, mm-hmm. kind of equipped me into knowing what I want. Mm-hmm. Give you a reality Gave check me a reality check Yeah, okay. right And I had a list of books All the sciences that I wanted to study I wanted to study the tafsir And I wanted to study usul tafsir I knew I wanted to study fiqh shafi'i I knew the books I wanted to study I knew the usul, uh, usul fiqh books that I wanted to study I knew the qawaid fiqh books I wanted to study Fiqhiyya, yani Mm-hmm. I knew the uh, uh, I knew the difference between I knew the difference uh, I, I knew yani, uh, uh, I needed to study Nahu. I'm not mm-hmm. saying I studied these things But I, I kind of knew the books right. And that came Not because I searched online right. But because I went to a sheikh I, said, I would sit down mm-hmm. with a sheikh I'm like yo listen What is, what is I'rab mm-hmm. And he would sit with me I'm like give me a second I'll write it down oh. Like hey If somebody wanted to study this right. What did they have to do like Ajrumiya. Oh, right. Ajrumiya. Mm. What book? Oh, uh, I would go to another sheikh, ask him the same question. Oh. And I would look, oh, they both said start off with Ajrumiya. So Ajrumiya must be a book that everybody starts off with. Right. And so I would write down Ajrumiya. So it took the year that I was working, that's what I was doing. Right. I wasn't studying. I, I wasn't going to a Messiah. And you know, Seattle, there's no Druses here, right? Exactly. Um, but this is what I was doing in Seattle before I, before I left. Right. And so I had a list akhi, mm. of what I wanted to do. You know Right And I kind of And Seattle is not a place Where there's a lot of You know like You know other places There's like groups And there's fights And there's mashayikh And don't go to this masjid Mm -hmm. Seattle's not like that Mm -hmm. Everybody's living in harmony Mm -hmm. You know Mm -hmm. And so Most of these fights And debates Mm -hmm. I wasn't exposed to it Mm -hmm. Versus somewhere in the UK you, where you start off with Don't go Man, to this masjid You start it off When you walk in the hood Where you from <laughs> Where you from right <laughs> Yep So we don't have that here Right Alhamdulillah right Right Alhamdulillah um, And the mashayikh uh, Somebody would say Oh yeah well you guys have Different massages Yeah we have different massages Catering to different communities Right But from the service yani, exactly. Everybody ag- agrees right. To a certain extent exactly. You know I, I just found out When I was coming back Everybody's here Shafi'i Everybody here Yeah where? the Oromos The, the, the wow. Ethiopians The Somalis The Chams wow. the, I think the Gambians Or something else But South Seattle And right, Seattle sure. Everybody's just Shafi'i mm. So we kind of all Follow the exactly. same madhab So Bro that is okay Because I was even telling Abdikari Abdikari he wouldn't understand it Because it's like Unless you've left And seen Mm-hmm. It's like this is the air that we breathe. Yeah. How we pray, where our hands go, and stuff and so forth. Yeah. A lot of us don't have to like we don't study fiqh for this. We just say, what is our messenger telling us? What is our parents right, been taught? Right. And then you go to Egypt, and he's praying next to my Pakistani homie, <laughs> and he got that hand. I said, brother, you sleepy, brother? I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> I was confused. Well, I did. I, then I was like, okay, maybe I gotta talk to this brother. And then the other guy, so another guy, he praying with the hands down. When yeah. He, and I said, what in the? Well, I was like, okay. Wallahi, in my head I was confused. I said, what is happening? Right. So you see that, yep, I know yeah. for sure. It's like when you travel and you see, it also gives me more desire to learn my religion more. Yes. Like, oh, okay. They have a different, they follow a different madhab. Yes. Okay, what is this madhab? Right. What is this opinion? What is the evidence that they rely on? Right, right. Right. So subhanAllah. And the other thing that really helped me out right. was I lived in Somalia for three years. Mashallah. Right. Where was that in your life? 
That was man. You uh, lived the life of fifty minutes here. I love America because <laughs> we're gonna write you a book. We get you a book. Yeah, mashallah, tabarakallah. One of the brothers, one of the brothers was like, "Yo, we need a documentary." I'm telling right. you, my teenage life. That's what I'm telling. Mashallah. From from fifteen and uh, okay. till till now, like mashallah. I like I, I think the longest I've I lived with my parents was a year and a half. Wow. From the age of fifteen till till now, you know. Right. I'm sure that pushed you to be a man a lot earlier, man. Yeah, because that I'm put me in a lot of situations, right. a lot of places where, yani, uh, I, I, I lived on my own. Mm. I'm not saying my parents, yani. Uh, uh, I never lost connection with right. my parents, or I never. But they were always there to help if I needed help sure, and everything right. financially. Right. But when it comes to growing up, like I grew up by myself. Like mm. I have one older brother, mashallah, and yani he's an older brother. He was mm. never a soft one. He was right. he was like he was more about hey bro, get your money and you know I me mean? move out of my way type of older brother, right? Absolutely. So me living in Somalia for three years, I learned the language. Okay. And there's a lot of Somali scholars and a lot of mahadarat that speak about studying and that speak about things to do. So I, I had this type of um yani I wouldn't say I wouldn't call it training, but introduction to seeking knowledge okay. before I went out and sought right. knowledge. So I kind of had a picture right. of seeking knowledge. And then what solidified everything right. was before I went to Egypt, I was in Dubai for two weeks. Okay. And I ran into one of the best human beings that I know. Wow. Muhammad Tim Humble. I don't know him personally, but wow. I ran into him. And when I seen him, I was like, it's an opportunity. Right. Hey, let me take you out to eat. Mm. I watched you on YouTube. Right. There's a couple of lectures of yours that, that really did me, you know what I mean? Really did good for me. Right. Uh, there's a lot of benefits that I took from you. Right. The least that I can do, Ya Sheikh, is take you out to eat. Right. Let me pay for your food. Let right. me talk to you, you know? Right. I thought he was going to say no. He said, yeah, you know what? I'll pick you up. Where do you live? Uh, I said, I live over there. He said, I'll pick you up tomorrow or something. Uh, he got my number. And I told him I was going to Egypt. And yani, wallahi, that night, I had a conversation with him. It was just me and him hmm. that I'll never forget. Hmm. He told me about his studies. He told me about the mistakes that he made. he's made. And he gave me advice. He said, you know what? Don't take advice from somebody that's not where you want to be. Mm. If you want to become a scholar, take advice from a scholar. Don't take advice from somebody that brilliant. Somebody that doesn't know Arabic cannot tell you how to learn Arabic. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. Like if I don't know how to build a house, <laughs> I, which, how am I going right. to advise? Yeah, mm. You know what I mean? Get a couple of rocks and put them together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? A lot of us are quick to be given advice too. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, exactly. yeah. It's like the human nature. You know, mashallah, that advice that uh, Sheikh Tim Humble gave you. Mashallah, I know he has that course with uh, Sheikh Abdurrahman Hassan, the AAMU, I believe that. And I was actually doing that course while I was in Egypt. Yeah, because they the fact that they have English, I was like, bro, like I might as well study these different stuff in the language I know at the same time. And so that advice is so beautiful. Go to people who've actually tread that path. You are somebody who Allah has tread that path. And a lot of brothers, bro, I know this was for me. Oh, you learn Arabic? Go to Egypt, right? Okay. But then it's like, what then? Okay, like, bro, really? Because people don't talk about the technical. Yeah. It's just zero to 100. Okay, what, what happens between one and 99? Yeah. You feel me? And I was like, man, oh man, was that not a cliffhanger for you guys? Inshallah, part two is coming before you guys get worked up. <laughs> Ustad Abdullah Hishida, we can talk for three hours. And that's why we had to divide this episode for you guys today. Uh, this first episode was to get to know more about his backstory, right? What led him to seeking religious knowledge. And the next part is 
getting to know life in Egypt. What is life in Egypt like? I know you guys were asking me that because I've been there for the past year. But alhamdulillah, we're going to have someone like Ustad Abdullah Hashidis Caliber for the past five years have been living there. What to expect, right? What mistakes to avoid? How to find a place, right? So on and so forth. I know one big thing. A lot of brothers, they're looking to get married, right? And so when we're at the smoothie shop, they're talking about looking for a wife, right? How to juggle family responsibilities for those who are married uh, with seeking knowledge. And this is a brother who, alhamdulillah, has plenty of experience as both a father and a husband studying in Egypt, juggling those roles. He has plenty of insights, which are coming very soon, inshallah. If you guys enjoyed this episode and want to support us, make sure you guys go ahead, like, share, and subscribe, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We love to hear you guys' messages, and it's always heartwarming to see that, inshallah, that our work is really impacting you guys. Keep us in your du'as, and inshallah, part two of this episode, for those who are waiting, is coming soon. Assalamu alaikum.